testing, testing, one, two, three. Good. How are you doing, man? Doing good, doing good, man. Excellent, bro. Well, hey, man. Um, hey, how was the marathon? Oh, dude, I'm... It was fantastic. It, it felt like um, I was channeling David Goggins the entire time. Yeah. Because literally it started pouring rain two minutes before the race and it was a yeah. downpour, localized flooding, hail, lightning, and thunder for almost two freaking hours. Man. And that was just the first half. <laughs> <laughs> you got but, through it. That's good, man. It, you know, that, that, that was, uh, I think the thing that kept driving me forward was I have to finish. And, um, and interesting enough, when I was like, I don't know, six, seven miles north of where the finish line was. I wanted to quit. There was a few times. And uh, I didn't quit, and it dawned on me, it doesn't matter what I do right now, but I still have to walk back to the freaking start line regardless. But <laughs> it, it doesn't matter if I get hurt. It doesn't matter if I crawl. I, I yeah. still got to finish. And yeah, uh, but, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I finished in um, a little less than four and a half hours. Okay. Uh, my target time was four and a half hours. Yeah. Um, and and you got to factor in the weather um, because I mean at times, I mean literally there was localized flooding. We're running through puddles that are like ankle deep, and then a, a mini river that just started at like almost knee deep, calf deep, and then um, about mile nineteen through twenty one, you're up in this agricultural area. And it just rained a ton, so the fire road you're on is now a freaking disaster. It's it's muddy. There's puddles. I mean, it was it really um, talk about a freaking test. <laughs> you passed it. That's good. Yeah, you know that that's that's what it comes down to, man. That's what it comes down to. Give me a quick second here. Yeah, no, man, it was uh, amazing enough. My older brother, um, I don't know if you were able to meet him at Arate. He wasn't in Dallas, um, but no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he ran the half marathon that day, and uh, okay. he—that was the longest he'd ever run, longest I'd ever run. And then the following week, he ended up running a marathon. Um, I kid you not, man. I don't know how he got the energy to do it. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, totally something, just something different, you know. Now now we got a new goal. We're going to go after a half triathlon or an Ironman. Yeah, yeah. Dude, stop biking and running, man. That's but, what's up. And some swimming, man. It's uh, I'm already, like, just trying to figure out my plan and uh, hitting, the, hitting the gym, hitting the walk, and then uh, spend a lot of time on the stationary bike, so. What's that, uh, the swimming like, man? I know that, that's probably, I've been thinking about doing some of those too. Yeah. It's swimming, and I think it's going to be the toughest for me. Uh, you know what? I agree with you there, and it's going to be a open water ocean swim, from what I'm hearing. <laughs> so, so, so talk about the level of intensity. Uh, 
Um, and it's going to be cold. So Northern yeah. California, Pacific Ocean, it's, it's going to be cold. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's all part of, um, like we talked about weeks ago, it's, it's how you level up and, and you got a lot of adversity and challenges to go through. Yeah. So, hey, you, you want to get started? Yeah, let's get started, man. Okay. Hey, so um, just to let you know, it will be just an open conversation forum. I kind of sent you some some many details. Um, I got a bio. So I'll start with um, just an intro of the podcast, kind of give a brief intro on you, and then we'll just open it up and just uh, talk, and we'll go as long as um, you feel like you want to go. Typically, they're about a half an hour, maybe 40 minutes is pretty much the angle. I, I like that picture in the background, by the way. That's pretty awesome. Oh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. It's pretty. Got a little... Yeah, underground, man. Underground, man. That's killer. Yeah. Okay, let me just double check some stuff. And where it go? Hey, good morning, everybody. It's your host, Steven. You join the Rising Phoenix podcast. We're coming at you with a new guest today from Dallas, Texas. I'll get into him in just a little bit. As you know, with the Rising Phoenix podcast, it's a passion project we put together about two months ago where we're looking to fuel your evolution. So we're talking to new business owners, existing business owners, people that are crushing it across all different kinds of backgrounds and industries, and really extracting the value that we learn from each and every guest, as well as myself when I do individual podcasts, of how can we really fuel your evolution. And essentially, we all go through negative shit. We have things that happen that are outside of our control, and it's really how we process the information and work to become better at being ourselves, as well as the quality of relationships and life that we have um, as we continue our journey through Earth. So today, we got a special guest, um, a dear friend of mine I met, gosh, I don't know, a few months back, but I've known him for what seems like a few decades. Just we really connected right off the bat in our first conversation, just said, hey, how's it going? I've seen your name. Uh, let's get together. Let's chat. And uh, through that, we've built up a relationship, had several conversations, attended an event or two together, and uh We've really just trying to connect together for this podcast for quite some time, and boom, our schedule's aligned, and we're going to get to it today. So what I want to do is introduce us to Randy Ramirez. He's coming from us from Dallas, Texas. I'll get into his story, but just a little background with him. He's a business owner of a company called Dapper Barber & Company, specializes in high-end haircuts and really creating environments that are going to give confidence boosts to men and women that join and come to his barber shops. And I really enjoyed meeting him um, a few months back or a few weeks back, I should say, in Dallas. Very upstanding individual and boom, he's got a lot of energy. So Randy, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this morning? Doing good, man. Doing, doing amazing, man. Um, thank you for having me. Um, like I said, it was awesome meeting you as well uh, at that Arte event. Um, and it was just, it was we did, man. We connected. We, we sat down. We had some lunch, and it, it was it was amazing. But yeah, man, um, it, it's it's been a roller coaster, man. You know, I joined Arte probably uh, when when it first started, just like you did, yeah. and just uh, getting into that and being a new business owner, 
you know, it's really, really helped me, you know. Um, you know, I don't know if you want me to just kind of go into my story as far as, like, how how I got started or kind of a background. Or... Man, you're right on target. I was actually going to ask you first question up is, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your background, and then uh, leading into your business. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, so I grew up, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Uh, my, my dad was a, was a painter. He painted everything from houses to cars. Um, my mom was a beautician. She's been, she's still a beautician for over uh, 50 years. Oh, wow. She's been doing it. She's still doing it. Uh, so um, I always had clippers and things laying around. Always loved working with my hands. So um, I picked up clippers probably like in sixth grade, seventh grade, started cutting my hair, started cutting my friend's hair. And in high school, um, I got a little better. That's kind of when it counted, right? Once you get into yep. high school, people yeah. kind, of, kind of caring about their hair. Seventh, eighth grade, I was messing up all my friend's hair, right? And, um, <laughs> high school high school comes around, getting real good. But then I graduate, don't know what I want to do, bouncing around from job to job. Um, had my first kid in high school my senior year. Oh, jeez. Um, turned 21, um, had another kid. And we just bouncing around, man, jobs after jobs. Um, the crazy thing is I got into a lot of sell jobs, you know, uh, was knocking on door to door, selling vacuums. Um, yep, Kirby, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, working in uh, shoe departments, selling women's shoes, kids' shoes, and you know, it was just. But, but the great thing of that was just getting to people's faces, man, talking to people, and just uh, just doing that. So, uh, by the time I hit about thirty years old, I worked for this beer company called Andrew Distributing. I was a sales rep for them, mm-hmm. and I've been there for about seven years, and you know. The thing is with that is in my 20s when I was there, you know, beer was it was cool, man, going to bars and restaurants, selling beer, hanging out with people. But then, you know, you start to think, man, I worked with a lot of people who were very passionate, very passionate about what they did. They were passionate about beer. They were beer connoisseurs. Like, yeah. they some beer, and they'd be like, man, this beer, they could tell you what's in it, you know? But that wasn't my passion. I, I knew I needed to find my passion. And, man, one day I'm driving and I see a, I see a, a barber school. I'm like, man, you know, I've always, I've always, I've always liked barbering. You know, I'm gonna go in there and check it out. And I go in there, check it out, talk to him, come back home, and I tell my wife, hey, I think I want to be a barber. And she's like, you know what, you're crazy. You know, like just calm down. And this is, keep in mind, I have been switching job after job after jobs, hobbies after hobbies. Even though I had this sales job, like I was going from um, before I was actually a barber, I was going to school to be a painter to paint cars. You know, auto body. Yeah. You know, yeah. I did that for a year or two. And before that, I was training to be a professional disc golfer. You know, like I would go out there all day throwing disc golf. And, and But my wife, she supported me through every little thing. You know what I'm saying? So her hearing me, I want to be a barber, was just another little wild idea. You and, you're ra- and you're raising a family as well, right? You got four yeah, kids and as well. Four kids. Wow. One uh, is about to turn 20, a 17-year-old, a uh, 12-year-old. With a name, who's about to be 13, and then a 7-year-old. So, yeah, I got... Two boys, two girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of time was taken away from them. And so basically when I told her I wanted to be a barber, she's like, you're crazy, get out of here. But I just, it was something about it. You know, you start, you just, I fell in love with just like the culture, you know, the, the straight razor shaves, the, the whole tradition of barbering, you know. Yeah. How, how it's a cornerstone of communities, you know what I'm saying? And to me, it's kind of like where men become, where boys learn how to be men, you know, you go in there, yeah. you shake a man's hand, you talk, you know, it's just, it's just man talk, you know? Yep. And there was no really barbershops in where I lived in my area, and that's what, that's what I wanted to create. There, there wasn't barbershops in my area that, that I felt like I would want to work at. Okay. There's no barbershops in the area, but there's no shops that, that 
brought what I wanted to bring. Yeah, that culture, that drive, that 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 boom, just that uh, as, as the name implies, dapper, right? That's something from like the twenties and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah classy. Yeah. Dapper, well-dressed man, a well, very well-fit grown man. You know, that's kind of the definition of dapper. Yeah. So, and um, she ended up supporting me. She was like, you know what? Go ahead and do this. But if you do this, man, it better work. Like you better, you better <laughs> make it work. Just make it work. You know, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm about to be in my mid thirties. I'm like, all right, let's let's do this. I got this. Let's. So, man, fifteen hundred hours. I went to barber school. Fifteen hundred hours. I had a full time job, still working at the sales job. Uh, I finished in ten months, man. It was just like night and day. Like I went, I woke up in the morning, went to work. Um, as soon as I got off work, I went straight to barber school at night, and just man, I was like for ten whole months, didn't see my family. We just grinding every day, just going, going, wow. going. Just football games baseball games, missed everything. I, I, I didn't do, I would take vacation, I would take two weeks vacation and I would go straight to school and just knock it out, be there from sun up to sundown just to get my hours in. Yeah. Know? So, knocked it out um, and uh, I had a, a good friend of ours uh, named Natalie, she has a studio in downtown Dallas, Studio 1514, very, very established salon, right smack dab in the middle of the heart of downtown Dallas and that was one of the first places I worked at and it was just amazing just to, to be surrounded by so much talent, you know? I was surrounded by so much talent, and I just felt like, man, I was just absorbing everything. And I saw how the salon worked, and I was like, wow, like, I was working with people who were making six figures, some of them seven figures, some of them were self-made millionaires, like creating beauty lines, creating hair extensions, and I'm just like, just absorbing it all in, and I'm like, wow, like, I wanna create something like this. So I worked there for two years, yeah. and the next two years uh, after that, um, we opened up Gapper Barber and Co. Um, kind of backtrack. I was also cutting house. I was also cutting from my house at that time uh, for those two years. And I got a direct message from uh, somebody. Say, hey man, um, I'm looking for a haircut. You know, um, it looks like you live in the area. Would you mind cutting my hair? And I was kind of I was kind of thrown off because at the time I was just cutting friends and family. And so yeah. like the first person who was just an actual stranger who just kind of hit me up and wanted to come to my house to get a haircut. And I replied back, man, I, I work in downtown, man. Um, I, that's where I cut out. If I just cut friends and family here, and he's like, man, it looks like you live close by me. And I, I kind of felt that was kind of creepy. I'm like, what do you mean I live right by you, you know? But I guess back then on the geotags, you can see, like when you post a picture, you can see where they live on Instagram. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. Like, hey, man, like, um, he showed me his haircut. I got messed up. Uh, please, please, can you give me a haircut? Like, no, man, you know, and he's like, hey, man, I come every Monday. I'm, I'm a good tipper. He's just selling himself, right? Yeah. It's like, all right, man, come Monday at four o'clock. Man, for the next two years, Monday, four o'clock, he was there every day. Like, when I first met him, it's kind of like me and you. We just hit it off, started talking. Yeah. He came to the door, came to the house. I cut him. Man, he was very, very big in the Asian community here. And he knew everybody, all his friends. And they all went out. They all did this they all did that they all, they all had money as well yeah he was paying for everybody's haircut each person would come to my house they give me like 40 bucks wow and he would pay for everybody's haircut to come sit in my chair as soon as they sat in my chair it was like it was sold it was done they started coming they told friends I built a clientele probably of about 30 to 40 people with him just him just in my house and, and, and in your house you, you weren't even doing this in the shop in downtown or your other thing you were just every Monday or whatever schedule you guys form, you guys actually had people rolling through and you were cutting hair the entire time. I was getting about 40, 30 to 40 people a week just, wow. in my house, just in my house alone. You know, so 
Like I would go and if I got off at downtown, like at nine, eight o'clock, five o'clock, whatever time I got off, I came here, I would cut to my house to about one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. You know, it was just, it was just, and then the great thing about that is whatever I was making here, I wasn't paying no rent, no nothing. It was, it was, it was all mine. It was always a cash business. It was all cash. Yeah. You know? And you had the, you had the support of your wife and your family because now you're opening up your garage or one of your spare rooms, living room, wherever to cut hair constantly. That's just... Um, yeah. How is that? You know, was was your wife still uh, questioning it at that point? Or? Man, you know what? No, you know what? She kind of once she sees it rolling in. You know, once you start making money and once you start providing, and you're making more money than your previous job. Then yeah. She's just like, oh, okay. She sees it now and she supports it. And oh man, she's she goes to all the events with me. She's 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 all in now. You know. Yeah. She, she, she's in, so it's it's amazing. And the kids as well. You know, I, I sat down and talked to them and told them, hey man, like. I'm going to be gone for about a good year. Like, you're not going to see me and, and this is what I'm going to do. And just to see, just to kind of better their lives as well. Like they see this whole thing going in, you know, um, you know, uh, I've come from a place where, man, I was rolling around in a 94 Honda Accord with over 200,000 miles, no AC, you know, freaking having four kids in the back, just crammed in there, you know, on summer, Texas summers, man, they're no joke, you know? Yeah. And, you know, they the, the kids have seen the struggle. You know, they've seen, but, but you know, not once did they ever complain. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's all we had. That's what we did. You know, we, we lived in a one bedroom apartment. Four of us, one bedroom apartment. You know, so it's it's um it, it was a struggle. You know, but it's it's cool to see. Like it's just cool to see the whole, whole <coughs> of, of them. You know, and their support. You know, so yeah, for sure, man. It's it's great to have their support. Now, yeah. Man, so so you went from just getting rid of your sales job, bouncing around to all different things, going to school, working in a professional salon downtown Dallas to really just moonlighting in your own home, having people coming in and cutting hair and getting that following. What made you decide to open up a shop at that point? I'm, obviously, I could kind of think how, but uh, what was it that really just yeah. made that transition? Yeah, well, basically, man, um, my the, the guy who came and hit me up on uh, on Instagram um, we would always talk. He'd always be at my at my house. Man, there was one point when he was coming twice a week. He would come Mondays and we would come Fridays because we would go out Saturday and Sunday. Does hair grow that fast? Huh? Does hair grow that fast? Man, you know what? I didn't think it did, but I guess obviously it meant, yeah, it does, man. He wanted it bald on the side. Like he just wanted it gone, you know? <laughs> so, that's funny. So um, he, um, we, we would talk and talk and he was like, man, we should open, we, we always talk about opening a barbershop. Yeah, and they were talking, and this guy's background. He was a he's a he's a bookie man. He was a he was a bookie. He had an underground uh, underground a poker room. Yeah, you know, he built that when he was seventeen years old. He was like he's thirty years now, thirty over thirty years old now. So he started a booking like a like an underground poker thing. You know, yeah, and rolling in cash. And that year, he had the worst bookie season ever and pretty much lost almost all his money and he had a little chunk left and he's like man you know what i'm tired of this life i want to go legit i want to open something up and we're talking about opening a barbershop and i said man i know the perfect spot and after that haircut i took him to a spot and keep in mind like i had been looking all everywhere like i knew all the hot spots i kind of just had no notepads and i was doing this in barber school yeah you know i would go around call places, see what this was. I had no funds, no nothing, but I was just just putting it out there, getting it, writing it down, like working a plan. So I had all the spots that I would camp out and see if that, that would be a 
felt Bob's bad. This is a good, busy area. I took him to the place that I knew would be amazing. And he was like, man, you're right, man. This is perfect for a barbershop. And there's hardly any barbershops around. And we're like, man, all right. So three weeks later, oh, that day, we called the, 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 the real estate agent. They came down, talked to us, showed it, showed it to us. And three weeks later, man, we're signing the paperwork, opening a barbershop. Wow. And we had no idea what we were doing. I had never really managed, managed people like that. Um, we started off with 12 chairs. Um, in six months, we outgrew that. We had to add two more. We did 14 chairs. So that first one has 14 chairs. Um, but, you know, at the beginning, nobody wanted to work for us. Everybody was telling us, why are you opening a barbershop here? They got a barbershop over there, a barbershop over here. Like, there's too many barbershops. Like, vicinity. And I said, there's no barbershops like the one that, and I'm sure everyone says it, but there's yeah. no barbershops like the one I'm going to make. You know, like, yeah. this is going to be totally different. Yeah, and, and on that, that note, you know, you open the business with your partner, you know, you've known him for quite some time. Did either of you have any experience, like, operating a, a business like that at all, or? No, no, nothing. He was he was always uh, underground, you know what I'm saying? He's, he never really had a legit job. He said he had a legit job when he was, like, 16, 17 years old, like, at a grocery store, you know? And yeah, yeah. He, he, he knew that's something he didn't want to do. So he had never really been legit, you know? So it was just fine, just going and just digging in. And the thing about, I guess, me and him is he's more of a paperwork backing guy. He's a behind-the-scenes type of guy. He likes all that stuff. Yeah. Know? Paperwork, numbers, all that. Me, I like being in front of, I'm kind of the face of it. I like being in the forefront of being around people, talking to the customers, and just, just working it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so um, yeah, man, we started it up and, like I said, nobody wanted to work for us. We were um, started off with two barbers. We had to fire the first barber like in, within the first two weeks because he could like it just sucked because you know when somebody's heart's into something, he loved to do it, but he yeah. just couldn't couldn't cut hair. And I tried to work with them, and I kind of realized they kind of pulled me to the side because I really wanted to work with them. And, and they told us, "Hey, man, like we're we're too we are too new to have stuff walking out like that. Yeah, and they're not going to say you cut it, you cut it, this cut it." They're gonna say they got their haircut at Dapper, and you're you're too new to have stuff walking out like that. You know, you're trying to create this image, and people can come in and get a nice haircut and a vibe, and he just wasn't cutting it. You know, hey, let, let's let's drill let's drill into that right there. Is tell me about the culture that you really wanted to create in that business, right? The first few weeks and first few months, you know, you're you're starting out, that first guy doesn't really work out, hey, that's all right, because there's other people that could cut hair that are going to bring it, you go from 12 chairs to 14 chairs, you're expanding in that first six months, what's that culture like that you're trying to create in that image and brand um, that you were just leading into? Yeah, what, basically what I was trying to create was, man, I mean, when you go into a barbershop, like those old school barbershops, you see those barbers, man, and they'd be dressed up, man. They'd be dressed up. They'd have, they'd be just suited and booted, man, ready to yeah. work. And, you know, I would always see, like, I'd go into barbershops and people just wearing, just like this, wearing a t-shirt, wearing a hat, sometimes wearing shorts, you know. So I just wanted to create a, a whole different culture where it was just like, when you walked in, you knew, like, you were just in a badass old school barbershop, you know, just, yeah. just clean barbershop, but with people who could cut hair, you know, yeah. and get down, you know? And, man, so, like, when, when I started, when the whole first thing was, you had no shorts, you had to wear pants, wear a collar on your shirt, dress up, 
uh, no no hats. If you wore a hat, it had to be a like a fedora or some stuff. Yeah. Like a cool hat, you know, just like a fashionable, just be fashionable. Yeah. Um, so we started it like that, and it's just you when you do that, and you uh, are in touch, and you go to these different barber events. You meet people who are who are just love the barber craft and love the craft, yeah. you know. So a lot of times when I would talk to barbers and interview them, I mean, you can tell when you start talking to somebody if they're passionate about about what they do. Yeah. You know, people that I've talked to, man, and, and would vibe with and would come to work for us were, were all about it. They were about the craft. They 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 eat, breathe, they sleep. They did everything barbering. That's all it was for them. You know, it was just barbering. You know, it was a way of life. They called it what barber life. It was just, that's what they did. We yeah. had to cut hair. We just just fabricated and, and woven in, in the barber craft. You know, and when you get a group of people like that and, you know, everyone's learning from everybody and it's just, it's just love, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's cool. But when you open that and then you have 14 people, you know, you do, man, you, you get some people who, who don't work out, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know, and it, it's crazy because I, I never really realized like how it was to just mesh. And then think about it, you're 14 people and you're locked in this spot. And you just have to vibe with them the whole the whole time, and one person's energy could just bring that whole vibe down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it was it was something to, to it was a learning process, man. It just even sitting arrangements on where people sat, who vibe with who. You know what I'm saying? Like this person's gonna talk to this person all day. Let's put them. They have a great conversation. You know why would I put two people that never talk to anybody or talk to each other? They're not ever going to have a conversation. You know, they're not even going to talk to each other. Why would I put them next to each other? You know, yeah. just learning the system of that. It was, it was, it was cool. Yeah, that that sounds like a an interesting challenge, really, right? Because now you're leading the business. You're the face of the business. It's the atmosphere and the culture. Now you got to get these people to play well and give them instructions. And I bet some of them are probably more friends, closer friends, because you're you're in that community. But at the same time, you got to keep the ship afloat. You got to make sure everybody's jiving and it's balanced uh is that something that you did before in those other jobs as a sales um sales person you know what i didn't do that that was i was never really a leader like that in those sales jobs i was the one being led gotcha yeah the the awesome thing about um working at that sales job that um andrew's distributing the beer company is we would have meetings and there would be People who comes in like uh, was it Sam Cook from uh, was it from uh, Sam Adams. Yeah, yeah. You know, people like that would come in and talk to us and tell us how they how they created this company and and, and man, I, I was just like in awe, like wow, like watching these people lead and watching these people create things, you know. Um, so, but it was never something that I did. But I I think that all the leaders that I had and like the owner of that company, Andrews, uh, Barry Andrews. Mm-hmm. Man, just to see him, what he created, and hear his whole backstory was just very inspiring, you know. So it's something that I was just like, wow, you know. So I took little things that I learned from at those jobs and try to put them into play. But as far as it was basically my first time doing it, yeah. And actually, so it was just, man, we lost. To tell you the truth, man, we did. We lost a lot of good people, a lot of good barbers, you know, just on on on, on us messing up. On yeah. us not not knowing, not not leading right, you know, and just not not doing the right things. But you know, it, it, what's really cool is we, we lost one barber, uh, this one a particular barber. But we opened up our second shop, and it, we, we kind of grew more, yeah. and kind of doing the right 
doing things a little more better, a little more right. He ended up coming back, and he's working at the second shop, the second location now. So it's just pretty cool just to see, you know, just yeah. to see, like, you can get, you can, you can learn from mistakes, and you can get people back, and you can, those relationships won't always die. You can always, it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, those relationships, you can keep those relationships, and you can keep them alive. So it's, it's pretty cool, you know, especially the barbecue, barbecue community is so small, so you, you run into these people all the time. So. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's huge. That definitely shows that you evolved. Not only just the culture and the atmosphere, but also how you lead and manage these folks, right? Because that's key. Because being the face of the company, they're taking the cues and direction from you. So if your energy starts to wane, like you said, and you don't know how to kind of jive with someone that's going through some shit outside of the office or outside of the thing, you, you could lose them, like you said, you know? that They might want to go somewhere else. Maybe it's pay. Maybe it's, oh, Rand, Randy didn't treat me nice yesterday because I, I didn't get this client versus that client. Or I'm sitting next to Jim over here. Why the hell am I sitting next to this guy? I hate talking to him, right? Or her, whoever it is, right? Yeah, that's definitely a dichotomy to learn how to not only keep that friendship and relationship, but also guide them on how they could increase their performance and get more clients coming through the door, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And speaking of that, that dichotomy, man, that uh, I read both of those books. I, I just finished that dichotomy of leadership. Jocko Willink, yeah. Being ownership, man. And, man, that that has really, like, opened my eyes and has got me doing crazy things now inside of my business, you know, as far as team. Because the second location, we had 18 people. You know, we hired the last person last week, so all, all those chairs are full. You know, we got we got three rows, six people, six on this side and six on the other side of the wall. Yeah. And, and just just one of the things I picked up on that book was, man, when you had that many people, you can't just have like one person just to lead that many people. You know, so basically what I did or in the process of doing is kind of breaking it down. You know, I got a leader for these this six people in this row. We got someone. We got another person for this one. And so it's like three people leading five people. You know. Yeah. And it's just kind of keeping those keeping those people accountable for things that need to be done in the shop, you know. So it, it's that that's something I'm working on now. Is, is actually when you have that many people, eighteen people in the shop, how you get all those people is like working as a as a unit, you know, and just keeping the keeping the whole engine going, you know. Yeah, and, and you got you got to build a lot of trust, right? Because you can't be in multiple locations at the same time. It's not like your shops are right yeah. next to each other, right? And you're leading the the people in your first shop, and now you got to build some trust and train and make sure who's ever leading the shop, the second one, has is committed to the same values and core function of your business, right? And I bet you probably went through maybe some leaders and probably had to figure things out to really guide and make sure that they were upholding the quality that you have across all your shops, right? Yeah, yeah, and. The crazy thing that happened is when we opened our second location, um, I was there. I went strictly there, and I was there for ten months. Just I didn't go back to the second shop. I I was staying away. Yeah, you know, I was like, hey, my whole focus is this next shop. I'm going to be here day in, day out. And when I went back to the the shop ten months later, it's totally different. Totally different. People were wearing hats, walking wearing shorts, and I was like. Wow, like it just, and and that's where we kind of learn, like you know what, like the, my business partner was supposed to be hands on on that shop, yeah. But like I said, he, me and him are two totally different people. He's he's more behind the scenes, 
You know what I'm saying? So he, he didn't want to be in the shop doing this, managing people, doing this. So it was it was it was a learning experience where it's like, man, okay, we gotta reel it back in. I gotta I gotta split my days now. So now I go there uh, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and some Saturdays. Yeah. And I I started I went back there and had to had to just dial everything back down. Like, look, man, this is not gonna work. This is this is what we need. How to get people back in line, you know, and just gonna okay, this is what it is. And so now it's just kind of now learning to build that. Like you said, find those people, find those people who are gonna take my place. When I do that, I'm basically building leaders, you know. What I'm saying? Yeah. Like leaders, leaders, you have to build that leader. You have to build them up, and it's one of the hardest things to do in a business is, is actually build those leaders. And and that's what that's what I'm in the process of learning right now is actually trying to do, you know. And like I was telling my business partner, yeah, we are looking for like a third location, but it's like, man, we got to get we got to get the first one squared away, and we got to get this thing rocking and rolling without me even being there. Yeah, you know. Uh, and then the second the second one, if you looked at our first shop and our second shop. It's night. It sucks, but it's it's night and day. Oh wow! You know, so what I was getting was people would come to the second location first and be like, "Wow, this is amazing experience! Wow!" And they go back to the second. They happen to visit the first one and be like, "It's totally different." Like, man, it's they kind of look the same a little bit, but it's just a different experience. Yeah, yeah, because you have two different two different thought processes there being led by two different groups, right? And some yeah. things will slide because maybe you guys weren't fully aligned on how you wanted it. Conceptually wise, what the business does, yeah. But just that atmosphere of, hey, you know what? No hats unless it's stylish, no shorts, uh, dress, dress like the image that we're trying to portray. And obviously if you're not manning the ship because that's really your vision, hey, some people could start to slide. And then as we see it, they're going to start to to take on a new level of acceptance of that quality, and that's lower standard than what you wanted in the first place. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is like once once we went through all that, and, and we're in the process of still doing it, you know, like, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's it sucks because you you do have to go back and you have to, but you have to go back and kind of just wipe, kind of wipe the slate clean. About, okay, like. We thought we had a, we thought we had something where we we're just going to be like boom 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 we're going to open this open that open that but then you, it's reality strikes for like no 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 wait you don't even have this thing figured out yet you know you yeah. have to you have to get this thing solidified you got to get it good before you can move on you know so but man it's it's been great it's been an awesome experience like just just dealing with these dealing with these type of situations and learning from them, you know. Like I said, we had no experience. We just kind of dove in head first, and I knew I knew it was just going to be a grind and a learning experience. But the thing is, is I'm open to everything. I go to barber shows. I I go to education classes. I go to everything because I just want to continue to learn. You know, I don't know everything. I don't know everything. You know, but what I do know, I know I know people. I know how to cut hair. I know how to hold on. I can talk to anybody, have a conversation with people. Yeah. You know? That's what, what kind of barbering is. Barbering is is being able to talk to a complete stranger for 45 minutes to an hour and, and have him comfortable enough to, you think about it, man, like in what job allows you to like, we're, we're so, we're so into uh, like social media and this and that where, where no one's really knowing that human connection, you know? Yeah. So for, for an hour, man, I connect with 10 different people. You know, I connect with, in a day, 10 people I connect with for one hour. And it's, it's man, you don't let anybody touch you except your doctor. And your well, well, well exactly. 
you know, so... Yeah. I, I was going to say, people put a level of trust. When they walk through that door, not only do they want quality, but they're putting their self-image in your hands, in the hands of your, your company and, and staff, because one snip in the wrong way, too close, maybe an in, maybe a color, and that could disrupt how someone perceives themselves outward when they're in their social community. And, and I loved what you said earlier about having a cornerstone within the community, and that is that barbershop area where you're building confidence. You're really giving people just a external appearance on how they could feel good about themselves. Can you tell me a little bit about like when someone comes into the shop and the experience you give and what you want them to feel when they walk out of it? Man, just so I've had both experiences, you know, cutting, cutting for so long. I mean, no one ever starts off as the amazing barber, you know? Yeah. So anytime you start off with something, you're going to stop. So like I've experienced both, you know, when I was cutting hair, turn them around and there's kind of like, what did you do to my hair? You know? Oh, oh it's, it's all right. I can hear him tap dancing there. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, what did you do to my hair? You know, it's like, so sorry. You know, so sorry. Mix it up. Oh, let me get my dog out Yeah, no problem. Sorry, kids, kids couldn't control the dog. They're trying to get her outside. Oh, man, it, it happens. I know. My Luckily, my kids were asleep, so I, I just stepped outside <laughs> for a little bit, you know? Their hair. A lot of times, men don't even know how to style their hair. No, you know? no. 
these guys are hair in a way that they've never seen before. And they're just like, man. And you know, the thing is, is when people come in like that, people are coming in, especially guys, they're coming in for special occasions, you know, yep. getting married. Um, I got a graduation to go to. We got a lot of that. This, all these graduates, some people graduating. We have a graduation party, um, Christmas, Thanksgiving, like special occasions. You know, men go get haircuts a lot. Some men stay stay clean. Like my business partner, two three days he's in a barber chair. Now, I mean, now he's my business partner. So he's when he comes to the shop, he get a haircut, and he comes in like every three days. Like he's just hanging around, and people will just cut his hair. You know? Yeah. But the majority of us, it's special occasions yeah. you know yeah. and if you do that if you create this beautiful haircut and this total amazing experience with somebody and they never had that before well guess what the next time a special occasion rolls around they're looking you up and yeah exactly them, they're at least going to keep it in the shop you know and that's what it's about man and you do that one person at a time it's like you do that for one person that person that person and it's just a compound effect it just builds up next thing you know you have this client relations and and the cool thing about that is so say i get so booked up yeah to where like, i can't i can't handle this i can't handle i can't handle all the people that i have man i got 14 other barbers over there i got 17 barbers over there basically i'm hands-on with them i train them like they know what's expected you know yeah and man when i left the plano when I came back ten months later, it was it was the coolest thing to see. A lot of them, some clients followed me to Plano, some didn't. Yeah. Cool scene when I walked into the barbershop, all the clients that, that I built, some that started at my house. Yeah. I was sitting in other people's chairs in that first barbershop, and I was just like, "That's what it's about. That's what it's about, man." I give them that, and they're like, "Hey, hey, I've been coming. I'm like, hey, man, you don't have to tell me why. I'm hey." I don't care if you're not coming to me. At least you kept it here. You kept it at the shop. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate. That. I appreciate that. That's. I can't cut everybody's hair. Yeah, yeah. You're you're only one person. You can't do the whole job. That's why you're hiring teams. You got multiple locations, and to create that same experience through the culture you have and training people. I mean, that's 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 enormous. I mean, that's how, like you said, you're going to get that organic growth. People are going to get their cuts before weddings, interviews, graduations. And then their friends are going to say, hey, where'd you get your cut at? And boom, it's an automatic referral. Maybe they don't tell a ton of people, but maybe it's just that one or two that keep coming back. Exactly, yeah. And, and that's with word of mouth. It's huge. It's huge. And guess what? If they have a bad experience, oh, man, they're, they're running and telling everybody. You know what I'm exactly. And, and, and that's another thing, too, is I learned to deal with, with the, like bad experiences and negative feedback, you know? At first, you know, when you get negative feedback, you put your heart and soul into something, and then you're getting negative feedback. And sometimes you're like, "Damn, whatever, do they know what they're talking about?" Or you're just kind of, but no, man, like that negative feedback, you need to listen to it. You know, there something went wrong. You know, so it kind of allowed me to, okay, let's take a look at reaching out to them, saying, "Hey, so how was the experience?" Oh, well, they start telling you, "Oh, man, well, they did this, 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 this." Hey man, I'm so sorry. So sorry about that, man. And he, I learned to be like, hey, you know what, man? Come see me personally uh, on the house. Sorry for your experience. And, and I, I, I do that. I eat that yeah. So I'm like, man, you know what? Just come, come see me. And you know what? They do. They come see me, and I talk to them, and just kind of tell them my whole story, and, and just vibe with them, and and tell them what I want to create. And just kind of like how me and you were talking. Yeah. You know? and the next thing you know, they're like, well, you know what, man? It's, 
it was a bad experience, man. This is a pretty cool spot, man. And, and you know what? They come back and they'll pick another barber. They won't ever see another barber's chair, but they'll pick another barber. They'll pick another barber. I see people get jacked up and <laughs> they've never seen that barber's chair, but they'll sit in someone else's chair, you know? So. Well, well they like that. They like the atmosphere. They keep coming back. I like what you just said a moment ago is when those adversities do come up, just like Jocko Willink in his book, right? You said, good. Hey, this is an opportunity to learn. Let's dissect it. Let's figure out what went wrong and let's do whatever it can. And hey, you can't satisfy everybody. I mean, we all know that. But you know what? At least you, you're, you're going through, you're learning from it. And then you could implement, right? You could go back to those other barbers and say, hey, you know what? You kind of did this, this, and this. Um, that dude didn't like it. Maybe it works for someone else. You just got to get better at reading the people, right? Or, or whatever it is, right? Yep, exactly. And the thing is, man, is I guess from from uh, just, I guess from being teachable, yeah. I, mean, I felt like I was teachable, you know? So I, I just... I love learning things. I love putting myself out there. I love, I love, I love that. But being teachable is is something that I really tell my barbers as well. I'm like, look, when I hire somebody, I'm like, look, man, I know you've been cutting for however many, how long you've been cutting, but I just want to let you know that I expect a certain standard. And if I see something that I don't like, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna let you know. Yeah. And it's not being a dick or just being like, hey, man, you know, you gotta do it this way. It's it's me making sure that the the standard is walking out and it's walking out there being displayed to people you know and I guess when you in the interview process when you put that out there and you let them know hey man I may come to you and if if I see something and I point it out to you it's not it's just me helping you it's nothing malicious about it yeah it's coming from a place of love because hey we're here to to create a movement and a business and we really want to uphold this brand and this quality to really give that confidence within the people, right? We're, we're entrusting, they're entrusting us to do the best job we can. And you're absolutely right. Sometimes you got to have those hard conversations, use a little constructive criticism. Um, Hey, if I could go back a minute ago, um, you mentioned you're, you've been to a ton of different seminars. I met you at Arate, you go to expos. Do you have any other mentors that you've looked at or that you've worked with that really helped you through when you were going some of those challenging, um, uh, situations like opening the new new shop, uh, turning over employees and stuff like that. Were you leveraging different local or virtual mentors? Man, as far as the mentors, as far as like talking to them and like actually getting mentored, not really. Okay. But connecting, uh, going to these uh, shows and being involved in the actual barber community, um, taking these classes and doing all that, a lot of the big names in the barber industry it's pretty cool because when you go to those shows, you shake hands and you, it's like kind of like me and you, you yeah. start talking and I'm real big on education. Yeah. Huge education. So when I would go on there, when I would go to these shows, I would see these people and be like, man, I got to get, I want them to come down to my shop and educate as well. So it was, it gave me the opportunity to actually reach out to them. Hey man, in Dallas, Texas, I have a, I have a shop in Dallas. Um, I would love for you to come and, and, Educate and we can put something on. Oh yeah, for sure. And man, next thing you know, you're shucking and jiving. You're you're exchanging information, and you know I'm sure they get that a lot. But yeah. when you actually follow through, and okay, hey, so how much do you charge to come out here? Um, that's sometimes what scares people away. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. trying to put artists down here. Oh, I charge twenty five hundred. I charge three thousand. Whatever. Okay, so 
go back and take some of my numbers down. Okay, this person charges three thousand dollars. How many? How much we gotta sell tickets? How many tickets we gotta sell to? At least, I, you know, at that time, I don't care about. I don't care about making money. It's about bringing that education to Dallas in this area. As long as we break even or spend a little bit of money, I'm good. Yeah, you know? yeah. Then you start the cycle. You start doing that. Next thing you know, over the next show, you know this person because you brought him in Dallas, so you have a connection with him. Next thing you know, you get a connection with this guy. Man, I've been doing these things for so long, and I just I just experienced this. There was a huge uh, event in, uh, in Connecticut called the CT Barber Expo. It's probably the biggest barber event in the U.S. There was over ten thousand barbers there. Wow! And it's just and they're off. They're, they're from everywhere, you know. And it's a two day event. And when I went there this time. It's crazy. I, I've been going for the last four years. When I first went to the first year, I didn't know anybody. I hadn't, didn't know anybody. Just went by myself and just started shaking hands, talking to people, talking to people. Now, when, this fourth time I went, man, it's like and connecting with all these barbers and bringing people down from different areas. I feel like I knew everybody. Wow. I feel like I knew everybody. I was just walking around, shaking hands, talking like there was not one person where I would just walk and see and be like, hey, what's up, man? I saw you last year, kind of like me and you. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, what's up, man? And then you turn around, hey, dude, what's up, man? You know, and it was just, it's just amazing experience just to connect with those people and be, and you're not going to do that if you're just behind the computer and doing this and doing that on Instagram. You have to go to these events. You have to talk to these people. You have to get in their face. You have to do business with them, you know? Yeah. And, And so just, just, Learning so much from from different barbers and and because um, you said you did mention like having like a uh, like someone that kind of looked up to or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, and and you know what? Sometimes when you get mentors, you could have a ton of them, right? And maybe you connect with one of them here. They give you some guidance. You get what you need, but maybe it's not the person that you need to hang out with more than once. And it sounds like you're already doing that across the industry through the expos you're going through. I mean, you did talk about. Um, one individual that was high up there within the community and you got them to actually form an event with you down here in Dallas and bring that ex- experience and exposure. And I bet the people you invited that most of them probably work with you in the local community, they were probably excited because they probably never heard of the person or maybe they have. And they were like, wow, this is a different technique. This is a different approach that I've never seen. And that's really what mentors do, right? Is they, they give you a little bit more oomph in your step because you're learning something that maybe they went through something or they could give a spin that you're like oh it connects yeah 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 for sure for sure like um the guy who actually threw throw that ct barber expo the, the one thing yeah his name's jay majors and i had went to one of his uh went to one of his speaking events uh probably about four years ago and he kind of one of the things that he said kind of changed my ways of what kind of barbershop I wanted to open because at the beginning I wanted to open up a shop a small shop three chair shop just something small real cool just and I went to this event and some guy had asked a question and then the guy had said hey man I want to open up a a three chair shop blah 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 and I'm thinking I want to open a three chair shop too you know like cool and then IJ Majors was like hey man I don't want to shit on your dreams (laughs) But if you open up a free chair shop, you will be cutting for the rest of your life. Yeah, that's very true. You're going to be behind the chair for the rest of your life. If that's what you want, cool, you know? But it, it, it is like, you at least have to open for a chair shop to be profitable. Yeah. And I was just like, 
But that just that one little thing that he said stuck with me. And the first chair, the first shop we opened was twelve chairs. Yeah. Like I went into three chair shops. Okay, I'm getting a twelve chair shop. You know, it was just little bits from everybody. I kind of just boom, you know, and that's why I like going to these events. You know, just because they've all been through. You know. Yeah. No, that that's huge. That's huge. Hey, I know we're coming close. We we got other meetings that are coming up here at the top of the hour. Um, and um, really quick before I forget, I really want to get you in front of other people through Instagram and Facebook and, and even through the podcast. How can people contact you? Where are you located? Give, get us some info on where they could find your, your uh, my shop. Friend, my Instagram is Randy Blends, uh, R-A-N-D-Y-B-L-E-N-D-S, Randy Blends. Um, the uh, Instagram is Dapper Barber Co. Um, there's two Instagrams, and uh, not really. I mean, yeah, we are on Facebook at Dapper Barber and Co. But my my main my main page, the one I keep up with, is uh, Randy Blends. Okay. So, you know, I both my work on there. And, and where's both your um, shops located? In uh... Uh, yeah, well, one shop in uh, Garland, Texas. Uh, it's in the DFW area. And we have another shop in Plano, Texas, which is about 35 minutes away from the, the first location. Oh, and fantastic. Plano, Frisco area. Uh, Jerry Jones uh, built his new facility out there about five minutes from the, his new uh, training facility called The Star. So, man, that area that we're at, man, it's just popping. It's growing. So we're excited to be out there. That's that's huge, man. Hey, so lastly... What's next for you? What, what What's in your plans? What do you think you're going to do next? Are you looking to grow into a third shop or just continue to scale what you have? I'm really thinking about getting, for sure, for sure we're going to keep growing and, and getting a third shop, but I don't know if I want to get a third one or if uh, I maybe want to go the education route, you know, and maybe open up a school of some sort, uh, yeah. like barbering. And because what I've found is when you when you get all these new people and you have to show them what you want and show them how you want your business to be ran if we were to have a school and just start from there and build these people up and we'll just be creating people to to fill the shops you know yeah job placements and everything like hey look once you graduate from this this we have placements for you at this job this location we have multiple locations you can go work at you know so that's kind of what, what I'm what I'm that's the goal for now you know Okay. Well, fa- fantastic. Hey, Randy, I really appreciate you taking time today. I mean, I loved our conversation. Uh, Dapper Barber Co. Definitely next time I'm in Dallas or in Plano, I'm going to come visit y'all. I definitely need to trim up. And I want to walk out of there feeling more confident, just like the quality that and vision that you've actually put together. One thing I did love that you talked about earlier was being the cornerstone of the community. And that's exactly what a barbershop is, right? Because you have people of all walks of life, all different professions, they're coming through. And you're going to have that conversation. You're going to have that human connection where like in today's world, very few few people have, right? Most people are armchair quarterbacks. They're all on social media. They're not paying attention. They're doing whatever. And hey, here's an opportunity to walk into a shop and actually talk like a real man, talk like a real person and get to know someone just off the bat. And that's huge, man. Um, really love what you're doing there and um, thank you for joining us thank today thank you thank you for reaching out and putting this together and I know it took some time but man I'm glad that we finally got together and did it man and thank you so much for uh, for having me on man uh, excellent hey well everybody we're going to be signing off on the Rising Phoenix podcast check out Randy's pages he gave you two or three of them he's located in um, Plano and Dallas Texas in the Garland area 
definitely highly recommend this guy. So humble. He's got humility within how he's teaching the people that work for him, as well as the culture that he's creating in his business. And man, once again, love chatting with you. I know we're going to get together again soon, and I definitely got to come back to Texas very soon. Thanks, Randy. Have a good one, bro. That was awesome. Thanks, everybody. Randy, that was freaking awesome. I really appreciate all your content this, or our conversation this morning. Randy, thank you so much for joining today's podcast, Rising Phoenix. I had a blast talking with you, learning about the starts early on of what you did in your business, how you were working multiple jobs and going to school to really become a barber. And then to, to hear that you you started to have clients come into your house, in your living room and in your garage, sometimes 10, 20 people that you're cutting in a week, sometimes even more, while you're raising a family of four. That's, that's phenomenal, man. I really like just the dedication and the passion that you conveyed throughout our conversation to really make Dapper Barber and Company the cornerstone of the community. And now you got multiple locations. You're definitely crushing it, brother. And I want to leave you all with this is go out and check out Randy's information on Instagram and Facebook or visit his shop in Dallas or in Garland, Texas. You'll definitely find something that's a hidden gem that's not in a lot of communities today. And that's really the sense of community and that spirit. And really, when you walk out of one of his shops, you're going to feel confident that you can take on the world and whatever you're doing, whether if that's a graduation, an interview, maybe you're just looking good because you got your first date, or maybe it's an anniversary with your wife or girlfriend. Whatever it is, highly recommend Dapper Barbershop. Check it out. Thanks for tuning in to the Rising Phoenix Podcast. <laughs>